Hello, and welcome to The Bittersweet Life. If you're new, I'm Katie Sewell. I live in Seattle. My co-host, Tiffany Parks, is in Rome. Normally on the show, we explore life and life abroad and how the decisions we make affect us for good and for bad. And as a community of listeners over the last six years, we've been exploring Italy and Rome and how to sort out what you want from life and how to take chances and how to move away and how to come home. Together, we aim to live a different life. But now, today, we are in a different and unique position as people living in the epicenters of a worldwide pandemic. Seattle is where the first coronavirus death occurred in the United States, and Italy, where Tiffany is, is in total lockdown. Maybe you are too. Let us keep you company. Let's explore this difficult time together, the good and the bad of it. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today... <laughs> today, it just was like dot, We're dot, here. Dot. We're still here. <sighs> I mean, I feel like everybody just, you know, and today everyone just throws their hands up in the air a little bit. So, yeah, we're still here. And uh, Tiffany's still under quarantine, and Seattle is pretty much under quarantine, though some people, as we record this, are still not listening and are still uh, hanging out with their friends in the park. But that's no matter. But uh, is it official? It's not official yet, though. I mean, it is official. It's just they're not calling it shelter in place, but they want you to be home. Yeah. I don't know. It's about as official as Seattle's gotten so far. Uh-huh. I'm personally a little unclear about why they don't want to just be as hard, heavy-handed as California is being about it, mm-hmm. but I'm not in government here. So, <laughs> and the people that I see gathering, I mean, just in parks, I'm not talking about like the grocery stores are still a little overpacked and, and things like that, but a lot of the people I see gathering now in parks are teenagers, mm-hmm. which, you know... I've been really asking this question. If I was a teenager... Yeah, how would we be taking it? If this? we were teenagers right now, would we be doing the same thing? Mm, because there is likely. sort of this disregard for authority mm-hmm. with youth and this. And your friends are just so incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Not that they're not important now. I mean, all of us who are trying to cobble together online happy hours with people <laughs> know that our <laughs> friends are really important right now. But it's so different as a teen. I really, I really, I kind of side with these high and mighty Seattleites who are totally right, by the way, who are saying somebody needs to do something and get those people to stop doing that. But at the same point, I've been asking myself the question, would I have listened as a teenager? Well, here's the thing. This is just having seen Italy go through the same pattern of like, you know, stay home, stay home, stay home, strong suggestion, strong suggestion, government suggestion. It's just not enough for most people. Some people are like, okay, great. That's a good idea. I'm going to stay home. But for the majority of people, and I think it doesn't, maybe younger people even more so, but I don't necessarily think that it has to do with age. I think most people, until it's a law and the police are going, you know, going to stop you and give you a ticket, they're just not going to take it as seriously. Even if they have good intentions, you just don't really get it. Because I think when, you know, when a government just makes a suggestion, I think it's a little bit 
misleading. I mean, it, it causes confusion. It's like, well, if it's really important, you would make it a law, you would make a temporary law or something. So it must not be that important. That's how I felt personally. Uh, until it, they made the law. Yeah, I think that the tone, though, in Seattle is much more heavy-handed than this is a suggestion. Okay. It's not coming off as a passive suggestion. It is basically an order without putting more militaristic terms on it. But I do think that, I don't know if it would be helpful. I'm not a parent. I don't know if it would be helpful for parents with teenagers or with kids in their lower 20s, you know, that are living with them at this point if they had a law and would say and could say all these family arguments that are happening, if there was a law where you could say, no, you actually can't hang out with your friends mm -hmm. because it's a law. It would be easier. Yeah. It'd be easier. Or even when you have a disagreement within the household about what's permissible, <laughs> I say, oh, come on, it's fine for us to go picnic in the park. And Derek's like, no, we can't do something like that. If that was the case, and if he said the law is on my side, I wouldn't really have a good argument to uh, stand on there. Yeah. And it might be easier than trying to make the argument that... I think people are trying to currently make, which is to scare whoever is being a little bit rebellious by saying, okay, if you don't think that you're going to catch anything, what if you were to kill other people? I think people are being more heavy handed with that. You know, okay, fine. You don't think you're going to catch it. You could kill other people. Yeah. Do you want to kill other people? You might have it right now. I think that people are definitely playing that card mm -hmm. right now a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. And maybe if it was just a hard and fast, like in Italy, you go outside and you get a ticket and maybe a felony, maybe it would make it easier for everybody. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe it would feel more claustrophobic like you were saying to me last week offline that it's a little bit oppressive to have a government telling you that not only can you not go to work but you can't leave your home yeah it's oppressive but I will say it takes it kind of I don't know how to put this I want to go and walk around the center of Rome so badly you can only imagine how much. I mean, I'm sure you feel the same. Yes. I live in Rome. I live in this gorgeous, beautiful place that I'm in love with. And it's always clogged with tourists, you know, 12 months out of the year. And to see it empty, to experience it like this, you know, I am so tempted. You know, I thought about it. I mean, I didn't think about it seriously. It was a fleeting thought that went through my head on the way home from work. I was like, well, I could just park the car and I could just go for a jog and if anybody sees me, they'll probably just think I'm living, I live in the neighborhood, you know? And I thought, you know what, Tiffany, don't do that. Mm -hmm. It was partially, obviously I want to do the right thing. I don't want to be that jerk. So it was partially that, but it was also partially like, I don't want to get arrested. <laughs> don't want a felony. You know? So it's kind of, I know this sounds weird and it's like, I don't want to be living under an authoritarian rule or anything like that. I don't want to be living in a, under a dictatorship. But when a choice like that is taken from you... It almost is like, okay, well, that's just impossible. So I'm just, I just can't do it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not even going to think about it. I'm not going to sit here wishing I was standing in Piazza di Spagna right now because it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. No, no, it totally makes sense. So if you could have any magical power right now, would you go with the cloak of invisibility? Would that be your choice? Well, I guess in this moment, yes. But my super power of choice would always be time travel. Ah. So you could just go back a couple of weeks. When <laughs> I just could go. <laughs> I could just go back to uh, the Black Death, you know, the bubonic plague and see Rome 
what it was like in that time. Uh, so when you have this gift of time travel, this ability, does that mean that you're also like indestructible at that time? Are you just sort of watching from the outside? Yes, yes. Like if you go back to the Black Death of Rome. Yeah, I would not... have died. Or, you know, if you, you want to go back to medieval times, I would definitely have been like burned as a witch or something. <laughs> <laughs> so no, definitely invisible. Cannot change the past because that's important. If you go back in time, you can't go back and change the past because we have all seen Back to the Future and we know what happens right. when you mess with the past. Yeah, you might disappear permanently. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's interesting because a lot of us are a little too glued to the news right now. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we're even starting to have our first reports of, at least here in the United States, of you need to monitor how much you're looking at the news and social media. We're starting to have more people saying, yeah, things are changing by the moment, but you can take a day off for your mental health and it's probably a good thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys are getting that warning too. I'm not hearing that anywhere, but I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. You know. I'm glued to my Twitter feed. It's bad. Yeah. But see, at the same point, it's been interesting because our show, I find this very strange, our show, which is really about adventuring and trying to figure out what it is you want to do with your life has now become a show that maybe it's still about what do you want to do with your life inside and we'll get to that <laughs> more in the weeks to come uh but it's also the show has been in this weird unique position of being the two two people in the epicenter of the outbreak you in italy and me in seattle where the first death from this virus occurred and uh and as a result You've ended up on a few shows mm -hmm. being interviewed for the inside Italian expat perspective, of which we're going to hear a little bit from one of those interviews later on in this program. But I, I was curious with you doing those interviews as a person who usually only gets interviewed by me. <laughs> is there anything that you have found that you don't want to talk about in those interviews? Or have they asked you anything that you don't really want to talk about yet? No, I wouldn't say so. They've all asked very interesting questions, and like I mentioned on an earlier episode with you, a question that I hear a lot is, you know, what what do you have to offer? What advice do you have to offer? That might be kind of hard to answer because you don't want to sound like, I know everything. I'm 10 days ahead of you, right? I know. I've lived it all. I've seen it all. Let me tell you. Yeah. So I try not to <laughs> sound too much like that, but um, but no, not, nothing uncomfortable. This might be a hard question to answer. Is there anything that they that nobody has ever asked you that you really feel like they should have asked you about? Um, nobody really seems to ask about the economic situation in Italy, what's going to happen here it's a different dynamic than the United States because we have a more socialized government here uh, and there are more social protections for people. But it's the Italian economy is so heavily based on tourism and going out, particularly restaurants, hotels, all of the whole travel industry and everything that, that then feeds off of that. Mm -hmm. It's so much so. Like there's just not a lot of industry in Italy. Like we have some very high-end cars. Some great olive oil. Some great olive oil, yes, and fashion. But really true industry like the United States has or Germany or China, it just that's not where the majority of money comes from. And someone told me recently, um, which these are numbers were new to me, so and I have not checked them, but according to the person who told me, 98% of businesses in Italy have 
now of course I can't remember the number. I remember that it was 98%, but it's something like they have 10 employees or fewer. Oh, wow. They're tiny, tiny, tiny companies. And of those 98% of all companies in Italy, 60% of them only have enough cash to survive for three days without earning money. Whoa. Three days. That's kind of scary. Mm. So the economy here, I mean, and right off the bat, I mean, Italy, you know, from top to bottom, the government decided, okay, we are going to sacrifice our economy for a time to save our people, to try to save our people. Something that you, the U.S. As, from, from, as an outsider looking in, it looks like they've been a bit less, a bit resistant to do it, but they're slowly starting to do. In Italy, it was like, bam, everything was closed. Everything was done. This country was shut up. And we have no idea what it's going to lead to. But I'm surprised that more of um, interviewers haven't been interested in the whole, not that I'm an economist, so I can't give such specific answers. But, um, but that's something that I find very important. They may feel that you don't know yet. Maybe. Just like we don't know yet what the lasting ramifications will be. No. Hmm. That's interesting. Before we move on, because we have a special guest for this episode, to send in your snapshots, some sort of picture of what it is that you're doing during a day. We've gotten some good submissions already. Thank you for those of you who have done that. Send us a voice memo. Tell us what you're doing. Just like a snapshot. We're going to do like a day in the life. And it would be fun to have a lot of different people. Make sure to add where you are and what time it is and your name if you'd like to include your name. And you can just use the voice memo app that's on your phone. And then you can just email it to us at bittersweetlife at mail, M-A-I-L dot com. Yes. And when you say the time, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, the date. It can just be like the time of day. Are you waking up? Is it the middle of the day? Is it the end of the day? And what are you doing? And that's it. It could be really boring. It could be very exciting. Uh, take us wherever you want to take us. But yes, voice memo app, bittersweetlife at mail.com. Great. So Katie, this story that's kind of like taken over our podcast and has sort of like led us into this whole new world kind of, you know, it's new for me to like cover this kind of a big breaking event, like current events. Obviously, we usually talk about travel and adventure and expat life and stuff like that. So, and those of you who, who are new to the show might not know that Katie is a longtime public radio producer who has covered, you know, major news and stuff. How do you cover something that's like so big and so ongoing and find new angles and new ways to look at it? It's, it's funny because it depends also on the show is one of the answers. So if I was writing for the New York Times, the answer might be different than if I'm producing The Bittersweet Life. But the way I think about about it is a little bit about rhythm like what have we talked about before and what's missing from the conversation what was the tone of the last week versus the tone of the week coming it's kind of a difficult thing to explain but you're I, I'm not really trying to come up with a balance but it's something about the balance of the experience it's not like I'm trying to be like what does the right say what does the left say what do the people in the middle say I'm not trying to do like a left right center kind of thing you might find on network tv um, news but but I'm more trying to come up with a rhythm. What have we already talked about? What are the other areas that are interesting that we haven't talked about? I also listen to the listener suggestions a lot. If we are getting emails or tweets or whatever that are asking a similar thing, then I'll try to figure out how to get that thing onto the show, <laughs> whatever that thing is. And then I also do just sort of the what am I observing in the world? What questions am I asking myself? 
and that might sound egotistical, but you try not to look at it like in such a small telescoped way. You're trying to think of like, if I'm asking this to myself, there's arguably probably a, a bunch of people who are asking the same question. Same with you. Like if you were to start saying, I keep thinking this one thought all the time, and you suggest that as a show idea, then there's a richness there that can be delved into. For instance, in the special guest that I invited us invited to be on the show today, I kept having this one question pop into my mind, which was particularly, I think, because I was a little depressed this last week about this situation and how much it was stopping me from being able to do. And so I started asking myself the question, well, who comes alive in a situation like that? Like what in a plague situation, what kind of people all of a sudden are like full of purpose? I know that some of my firefighter friends would find an experience like this to be very exciting because it's just so, it's so off balance. It's, and it's calling on them to really work hard and put the skills into action, which is a way more exciting than sitting around watching movies together, waiting for a call, you know? Um, and then another person that popped into my mind was actually one of the reporters that interviewed you a woman named Patricia Murphy. She's a veteran reporter at KOW. I think she's been there for 20 years. She was one of the first people that really caught my attention when I started working at KOW because she was such a, a gritty reporter, so willing to look at things other people didn't want to look at. And she had an amazing voice too, <laughs> which is another great thing about her. <laughs> and um, I didn't know how she would feel about it does she feel more live? Is she out there totally freaked out? So I decided to invite her on the show. She's the host now of a new podcast called Seattle Now, which is a daily news briefing from KUW. And you appeared on it on an episode called, uh, I think, Phone Rome was what they called it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we're going to listen to a clip from in a minute. But first, let's listen to this interview with Patricia Murphy. She's the best. Okay. Hi, Katie. I'm so glad to talk to you. I've known you in so many roles, but your latest role at KOW is as the host of Seattle Now, which is a brand new daily news podcast. I love it, personally. I haven't missed an episode yet. While you thought this would be a wide-ranging news program, ever since you've launched, it's been nothing but coronavirus. So how has that been for you and your team? Okay, so I'm not sure how this is going to work out for us in the end, but initially... We planned our first episode and it was going to be with a reporter about some trouble we were having in the school system. And we thought this was going to be like a super first episode. We were going to be super strong out of the gate and we taped it Friday to air Monday. And then Friday night at eight o'clock, a tweet came out that the Snohomish County Health Department was having a press conference. And I remember texting our senior producer, Jason, and saying it's never a good thing when there's a press conference at eight o'clock on a Friday night. And we knew by nine that we were going to have to be taping a brand new episode on Sunday. Fun. It's been interesting. It's been coronavirus for almost three weeks now. And yeah. Uh, yeah. it's a and marathon. it could be for the next however many months now. We have no idea. I know. I know. It's making it both easy and difficult to plan shows, right? Because mm -hmm. as a new podcast, we were not really sure who we were when we started, right? We just knew we were a news podcast, but we really had to figure out on the fly who we were going to be for people through the coronavirus. Yeah. One of the reasons that I wanted to introduce you to our audience is because Tiffany appeared on the show with you in one of the early episodes, giving the perspective of what it was like to be in Italy. And we're rapidly catching up to what it's like to be in Italy right now. But 
talking to her then, and we're going to play a snippet of that on this show, just because it's fun to listen to Tiffany in other venues. Do you remember then what your reaction was to how Italy was responding versus how we were responding in Washington State? Well, we were so fortunate, right, to have Tiffany over there to talk with her, and we have been watching it play out on the news. But I don't think it was until we talked with her I don't think we really understood until we talked with her what that really meant for people. And what I loved about our conversation was that Tiffany was able to give us real insight into the Italian culture that from an expat, you know, so she had the perspective of somebody who lives in the Pacific Northwest and somebody who lives in Italy living in a lockdown situation. And we were really grateful for that. But I do remember thinking after I talked to her that we better tuck in here because things are going to get real, real real fast. Yeah, that we were just behind. Yeah. And now we're watching that across the country, right? Like the East Coast is about a week and a half behind us here now. And I just keep watching all those little hand sanitizer, like make your own hand sanitizer, wash your hands. I'm like, oh, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Here comes the tidal wave. Yeah. So part of the way that you and I bonded back in the day when when we worked together, not we didn't work side by side every day, but we worked in the same office every day. And uh, one of the things that I always admired about you and that we used to talk about was you, the kind of reporting you do is what I would describe as really gritty reporting. It's not the easy stuff. It's not, I mean, I wouldn't say that covering schools or immigration or any of that stuff is easy, but there are certain topics that are a little bit more traumatic. Do you want to give an example of the kind of stuff you were doing? Prior to becoming a podcast host, I reported on juvenile justice and the death penalty and the Department of Corrections and the county's efforts to end youth detention. Yeah, a lot of meaty stuff, a lot of stuff that people... I always like to joke that I'm the, I'm the news reporter for the news you really don't want to hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, somebody has to shine some light there. Phyllis Fletcher used to say, down the abyss with Trish. (laughs) (laughs) Phyllis Fletcher was an editor then. That's very funny. So, well, not only the news that people don't want to hear, but the stuff that they wouldn't want to see. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like you've witnessed executions. You've hung out with a lot of kids that were uh, hooked on heroin. You've done all sorts of, uh, you know, hard things to watch, hard things to be a part of. Yeah. And how would you contrast this story or this epidemic with that You know, what's interesting about this is the way I'm geared makes me thrive in some ways in this environment, right? A breaking news situation, that's that's my jam. That's my DNA, you know? Uh, So I think in some ways I'm, I'm geared for this. I'm built for this. But in my downtime, it's really scary, you know? It's weird to be part of the story. Um, as a human, right? Because we are all, like, we're all vulnerable to this virus. And I don't know if I've ever felt that way before about any reporting that I've done. I mean, as a community member, I always have a stake in the game. But mm-hmm. this is a story that, while I'm geared for it, is actually pretty terrifying on a personal level, right? We're all dealing with that. Yeah. So when it comes to being a reporter, does it give you, does that help? like mitigate the panic in a way? Well, I think it helps because I am I can do this kind of reporting and we can sustain. But what I think it doesn't help with is me stopping. Me stopping, not being on Twitter at 11 o'clock at night, not 
you know, like that's just not healthy. I haven't figured out that balance yet. Um, and I'm not sure that's sustainable, right? Because we are in for a marathon, not, not a sprint here. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that marathon for you personally, how do you feel? I am, you know, I've, I've been saying this a lot and I feel like this is a time where we have to give each other a break. You know, I was joking that if you were waiting for the universe or life to lower its standards for living, now is the time, right? Um, I think we have to give ourselves permission to be okay with just getting through this time. I'm trying to tell myself that, but, you know, I'm worried. My kid's not in school. This was his last year in middle school, and he's in the marching band, and he has performances that they were supposed to do. I'm sad about those things. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I'm also grateful that I still have a job through all yeah. of this because I can definitely see my neighbors suffering. Mm-hmm. Well, and you've also been coming and going. It wasn't until recently that KWW made you work from home. So I don't know. I mean, what did, what have the first days at home been like for oh. you guys? Are you all getting along? <laughs> ah, it's amazing. It's amazing. So much family time. So much family time, Katie. <laughs> But I think we all realize on some levels that, you know, these are strange days and we're all just trying to make allowances for each other in this very small space we live in. We're in like 980 square feet, three people, three big personalities. You know, it's it can we have our moments, but we also have our moments of real gratitude, I think, you know, our health is good right now. Knocking on wood. Yeah. All right. One more question. Is there anything that you know that we don't know from being a reporter? Um, I know things because my father-in-law is a virologist. And I, I mean, if you're not reading the papers constantly, you know, this is a real serious thing that we're dealing with right now. It looks like we're getting ready to lock down here in Washington State even more, right? Mm-hmm. Word on the street is that the governor is going to put out a a shelter in place notice sometime today. And it's Friday as we're recording. Right. Friday, March 20th. Is that right? (laughs) It is the 20th. That's weird too, because we, (laughs) I am losing track of days, Katie. I am losing track of days, girl. I wake up, I don't even know what day it is. And we produce the show a day ahead of time. So I'm really out of time and space right now. Um, I know that we should be taking this very seriously. You know, I know that, Um, When I see people in the park and they're not social distancing, I want to ask them what the hell they're doing because because this is really serious, you know, because everybody is vulnerable to this. Yeah. Um, So strange days, strange days, friend. Strange days. Well, I love this show. So if you're not listening to it already... You should check out Seattle now. It is Seattle focused, but I know a lot of you live in the Seattle area who listen. So if you do, I, I'm sure there's something to get out of it. If you don't, at least a snapshot. If you're interested in my life, a snapshot of what's happening on a day-to-day basis <laughs> over where I'm living. Uh, she often reports on it faster than we're able to. So, Well, and Katie, uh. I have to say about your show, you know, right now you can really be a window for people and, and a light. And that's really lovely. And I'm so glad you guys are putting out mini episodes because this is a time where we all need to, to do what we can do to keep everybody sane. Yeah. Yeah. 
saying, yeah, a couple weeks from now, we'll just end up being parlor games and like jokes <laughs> or something. I don't know <laughs> when we all really start to lose it. I know. The cracks, well, the cracks are showing. <laughs> they're coming. Yeah. <laughs> if they're not showing already, I think they probably are. Um, well, thank you so much, Trish, for jumping on with me. Oh, good Katie. to see you from across the city. Oh, I know. Anytime I'll Zoom meeting with you, Katie. It's so okay. good to talk to you. You too. Thanks a bunch. Bye. So that's Patricia Murphy, longtime friend of mine, uh, an amazing host, an amazing reporter. If you need another podcast, particularly if you're in the Puget Sound area, Seattle area, check out Seattle now. It's They're doing a great job every morning. And it's not only uh, informative, but also entertaining. So Tiffany, I was curious, before we listen to a little clip of you talking to Patricia, which I thought would be fun after we got the insider scoop, what is it like for you to listen to yourself in these interviews? Do you go back and listen after the fact? Oh, yeah. Of course I listen. Let me just say that I used to abhor the sound of my voice, my speaking voice, until I started doing this podcast. And I think that it's not that I think my voice is so much better, but I think I'm just used to it because I have to listen to it. I always listen to our episode before I post it because sometimes a little a little error might pop up there and I want to make sure that it's all it's all in there and also because I might have to have a reminder to myself of what we talked about for the show notes that I write and I just have gotten so used to listening to us talk and obviously your editing of me is great so I never sound uh, as dumb as I am. Oh, please. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But you know what I mean. Yeah. I sound smarter than I am, let's say. <laughs> so I've gotten used to it. Uh, and it doesn't bother me to hear myself interviewed anymore. Unless, like, I make some major gaffe. And then, of course, I'll avoid it, like, listening to it, like the plague. Yeah. <laughs> like the plague, which you should be <laughs> avoiding by staying in your house right now. Yes. So here is a clip of you on Seattle now. Uh, I cannot put my finger on it exactly. I edit you every single week, so I am very familiar with your voice also. But there is something, you just sound somewhat different to me when you're talking to other people. And I don't know if that's like, because you and I are such good friends versus you're talking to a stranger. But yeah, I think so. Whatever it is, I love it. And so let's listen to a little clip. This is just a fraction of how long Tiffany is on. Hey, it's Patricia Murphy. This is Seattle Now. My wife Trudy was just showing me an email or a text from a, a woman in Italy. Stop saying it's just flu or severe flu. Please come and see our intensive care units in northern Italy. People can't breathe and we don't have where to put them, you blank idiots. We got to listen to science. We got to look what's happening here and we got to act. That's Governor Jay Inslee on Wednesday pointing to the situation in Italy. Seattle expat Tiffany Parks is a travel writer and co-host of the Bittersweet Life podcast. She lives in Rome. What's the uh, vibe in Rome right now? It's bizarre. That's the word that just comes to mind because it's Rome is such a, well, Italy in general is such a social place and people are always, you know, shaking their, each other's hands or kissing each other on the cheek or hugging their arms around each other. And everybody has kind of got this back off vibe. Like, you know, you see someone and everyone kind of just leans back. The typical Italian thing to do is to sit around in a piazza or stand around and chat with people. I mean, that's what Italians do. <laughs> and none of that can happen. Don't assemble. It's actually a law now. You cannot even have three people chatting on a street corner unless they live together. Wow. 
It is surreal. It's especially surreal because Italy is just the antithesis of that. It sounds like this is going to be pretty close to our reality here in the next couple of weeks. I mean, I wonder, what do you wish you knew before this started? I guess I wish we had realized that, you know, it's so easy to look at another country that's going through something and say, oh, look what's happening over there. And just you think it's not going to happen to us. Um, And so I was talking with some colleagues and the other thing, you know, I wish we had known if we had known two weeks ago, if we had just known it was going to be like this, you know, we would have prepared better. What would you have done personally? For me, it was more of a mentality thing. I didn't really take it seriously. What I took seriously was the threat to the Italian economy, which is totally real and totally valid. But I didn't think it was much worse than a typical flu. I sort of bought into that rhetoric. And that's just not the case, uh, as people in the States are starting to learn. And so I wish I had, at least, you know, in the way that I talked to other people here, maybe taken it a little bit more seriously and not downplayed it. What do you think about these stricter rules? Have they made you more confident or less confident in the situation there? It's kind of a yes and no, because we all knew that this was getting more and more serious. And we were all, I think, trying to be a little bit more careful. But when they locked down the entire country and made all these new restrictions, everything changed in the sense that people, it it was like, oh, this is real. This is serious. I feel much more paranoid now. I'm being much more careful about the things that I touch when I'm outside of my home and both for my safety and for the safety of others. And I just feel like everybody feels that way. It's just suddenly kind of scarier. But on the other hand, we don't know what's going to happen, but this is the only thing that could help. So with the exception of obviously a vaccine, miraculous vaccine. But I do feel comforted by the fact that Italians are, for the most part, adhering to these rules. From what we have learned from what happened in China, I think that is our best hope. Author, travel writer, and co-host of the Bitter Sweet Life podcast, Tiffany Parks, thank you. And please stay safe in Rome. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. So yes, that's the Phone Rome episode. If you want to hear more, All right, we'll leave it there for now. Don't forget, send us a moment from your life. Send us a voice memo letting us know of a moment of your day so we can put together a really fun show in the next week or two. Again, tell us your name, where you are, what time of day, what you're doing. It can be short and sweet. If you can't figure out a way to record yourself for some reason, you can also send it by email, a short paragraph. Tiffany's a great reader of short paragraphs, so I'll make her read those. (laughs) And... uh, That's to bittersweetlife at mail.com, or you can contact us at any social media under the Bittersweet Life podcast, and we can tell you where to send it. And we'll leave it there for now. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Thanks to Lori Lee Elliott for her help managing The Bittersweet Life on YouTube, and to Sarah Johnson for her consultation. Our logo is made by Jody Rick at The Lost Laboratory, with painting assistance by our muse, Caravaggio. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for The Bittersweet Life Podcast. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. That way we're here for you every week, both on Monday and now on Thursday. And if you review us on Apple Podcasts, we'll be grateful for you. Send us your topic ideas, questions, and voice memos. We're at bittersweetlife at mail.com or at the Contact Us page at thebittersweetlife.net.